Good Thursday morning. It is 2-27-20. I wanted to get another uh, podcast up. My name is Donovan Bailey. This is the Donovan Bailey MSLGSW podcast. This podcast is an outgrowth of me as a social worker. I wanted to do this podcast to talk on issues of social work, but certainly currently <clears throat> my goal is to use this podcast to talk about my run for Minnesota uh, House 25B, and certainly it is uh, supported or has the foundations uh, through what I do in the public defender world uh, and also as a social worker. So certainly the topics that I bring forth are social service related. Um, and uh, so uh, let's get ready to talk about those things. But thank you for tuning in to this Thursday podcast, uh, my fourth podcast as I'm starting to do this. I appreciate those that have been um, uh, uh, checking us out. And this is a creative way to get my voice out there. Hopefully we're trying to do other things as well. Uh, some of the old school things and shaking hands and meeting people, um, uh, to definitely, uh, get out there and get my, get my voice out there to run for Minnesota house 25 B for the DFL ticket. Just to let you know, we had caucuses and, and, uh, Tuesday night, and now we're rolling to the endorsement phase, which happens mid-March. So I'm getting my voice out there to let you know that Donovan Bailey is the person you want for uh, Minnesota House 25B for for the DFL. So delegates, I need you to uh, get out mid-March, March 15th, and let the DFL know that Donovan is the dude for Minnesota House 25B. So let's get started. Housekeeping, uh, this is on Facebook. I have a YouTube. Uh, this is an Anchor FM podcast, so you can get that on some of the major mediums for podcasts throughout the nation. Again, thank you for tuning in, those of you that are, and uh, hopefully this is a good outgrowth, a good medium to get my voice out there and talk about some fun stuff. I want to really, really start off by saying thank you to all the caucus participants. Um, it was there Tuesday night. Um, it was an amazing show um, of people and democracy. Um, and one cool thing, and I hope hopefully the the Republican uh, caucuses was was like this as well. But big ups to the DFL, uh, very diverse folks coming out, speaking on all kinds of issues and their candidates. And I honestly had goosebumps in seeing the diversity, not only ethnic diversity, but age. We had young people, we had old people, we had various people out at the caucuses there at Century High School in North Rochester, and certainly there's some other areas. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all those, those that came out to participate, those that listened to my two-minute stump speech um, as I went from room to room, caucus to caucus. So I totally appreciate that. Um, my girlfriend also, Kaya Maxwell, and her son, Jalen, appreciate your welcoming them, welcoming them as well as they helped out with the campaign. All right, let's get into what's up. I just, you know, I, I had a funny occurrence. Uh, after the, the caucuses uh, um, Tuesday night, and then I, had a, uh, I went to Taco Bell, right? Or we went to Taco Bell. And then uh, the next day, I love the Taco Bell so much, and I don't go to Taco Bell a whole lot. I went again. But anyways, if it, it, we need to challenge automation, right, and save American jobs, all right? And this is my running joke, right? So you go to Taco Bell. If you go inside to eat, everything is automated, right? 
everything is automated, but them calling your name and giving you your order. You go in, there's computer screens, touch screens, touch, 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 put your order in, put your name in there, uh, get out your credit card, debit card, pay for your meal. And the next thing you know, they call your name, give you your meal. Goodbye. See you later. The American touch, the human touch is gone. I mean, it, it was wild to me. Uh, when I saw this at Taco Bell, and I know it's happening in other areas, but it's a funny, funny joke. So when you give your order there to Taco Bell, and this is my silent protest, you'll see it on my Facebook too. Um, this is what everybody should do to challenge this automation at least, right? So you, you get your order, then you have to type in your name so they can call your name, right? So my what I did was on both occasions, I put in crazy names or names that certainly wouldn't be Donovan Bailey, right? Uh, and yesterday, my name was Devo D, right? And the person had to say, Devo D, here's your order. So anyways, that was funny to me. But, but challenge, automation, save American jobs. When you go to Taco Bell, put a weird name in there, make them call it. Maybe that will help them think, hey, you know what? We need to get back to the human touch. <laughs> All right, let's move forward. Also, what's up? Have you seen it? And I'm not dissing Bloomberg. I'm sure he's a great guy, great governor, did some great things. But his campaign, um, first of all, his um, obviously he's buying the election. That is not American, I don't think. Although we see it in other avenues, and I could be hypocritical there, but that's just... I got billions and billions of dollars, so I'm going to drop about $2 billion to run, and I'm going to buy the election. That's just scary to me, um, particularly as it relates to particularly a lot of the DFL concepts of, of, of the least of these being having the opportunity to even run for president. But did you see him in the, um, the, uh, the uh, debates? Oh, it was horrible. Oh, horrible, horrible. They brought out his womanizing and his racism. Let's just call it what it is. And then uh, after that, this is what I saw. And I equate this to this. As an African-American, I equate this to this. Many times as African-Americans, folks will come to us to prove that they're not racist or discriminatory. They'll say a couple of things like, I have an African-American friend. Or, uh, or they, they'll just be overt to prove they're, they're not racist or discriminatory in odd ways. Uh, but certainly, I have an African-American friend is one of them. Well, Bloomberg has out a commercial where he has various women saying he's the man with the plan. And I'm not saying he's not the man with the plan. I'm not saying these women who are saying he's awesome, all that in the bag of chips, as they used to say, they're untrue people. But if you have to put out a commercial saying I'm for women and have about eight women saying I am the man, that tells me there's a problem there. And again, I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying these women are being untrue, but as I've dealt with this as an African-American, if you have to literally say, I have an African-American friend to prove to me that you are not discriminatory or racist, we got a problem because I'm going to suspect that you are. So if this commercial, this commercial is kind of, you know, it is what it is. And I'm not dissing Bloomberg. Uh, there's just a lot of things there. But when I saw this commercial a couple of times already, I'm like, if you've got to have a whole commercial of women saying you're cool it just doesn't feel right. And to me, it almost feels demeaning to women. But that's just my take on that. All right, what else is up? MLB, Rob Manafort still has his job. Man, come on now. This guy's got to go. I'm having fun with that. But wow, the cheating scandal. Take away Houston's trophy. Let's move forward. All right, let's get into this podcast. Um, 
as I did at the caucuses, and I want to kind of go over what I was saying at the caucuses in my two-minute speech. I want individuals, as we move into this endorsement phase for Minnesota House 25B, I want you to peep Donovan Bailey. Give me a look uh, for Minnesota 25B. Delegate for Donovan Bailey. Why? P, my platform. My platform is about diversity, inclusion, equity, and cultural competence. I'm making no joke about that. I truly believe on all fronts, not only ethnicity, but poverty, the middle class, we need to start looking at things through a culturally competent lens. Um, we're growing like crazy down here in Rochester, Minnesota, and it's great, great stuff. Uh, our policies now, and I take this from even our governor, um, as I we um, interviewed him on Barbershop Talk uh, about three or four weeks ago, we need to look at everything through a culturally competent lens um, so that every Minnesotan is taken care of. And when we do that, we assure that that happens. My education, I have uh, working on my uh, PhD in social and community services. I have a master's in education leadership, an AA in law enforcement. I was a police officer for some time. Um, I've been trained at the National Institute of Corrections in, in two courses and certificates, uh, leadership for women and minorities, and then advanced leadership for minorities and women there at the National Institute of Corrections in rural Colorado. I also have been trained as a cultural competency facilitator under Dr. Deidre Hawkins uh, and One Small Change in Atlanta, Georgia. So I have uh, an education, I believe, that can really be a plus to this position. Experience, my experience, and I'll talk about a little bit in extension today as this um, uh, podcast is about saying experience matters. Um, but I work for the Public Defender Office, have been there 12 years working for the least of these, working as a sentencing advocate, or our title, dispositional advisor, social worker, working with the indigent, working with the minority, working with the least of these as they come through the criminal justice system. And as you can imagine, as I do that, there's a lot of multifaceted issues I deal with in that capacity. I also work as a direct service professional. I moonlight on that job, working with the developmentally disabled. I've done that for 15 years. I'm a social worker and youth counselor at the um, Burn Camp of Colorado. Uh, I get to go out to Colorado almost every other summer or so and work with young burn victims. It's an amazing camp up in Estes Park. It's a great cross-discipline I get to do. Great people out there helping young folks that have been burned severely. Uh, and then, as I said, a cultural competency, cultural competency facilitator. Um, trainer, and I do that helping train folks get into the workforce and making sure that they're cultural competent. I primarily do that through, through Recovery is Happening, but other venues as well. And then my passion, P-E-E-P, -E -E passion, my late great Senator Wellstone, we all do better when we all do better. That's what Donovan Bailey's uh, campaign is about, and and I, I hope folks will delegate me, for me for that. It's, it's If we want difference, if we want diversity, um, not only ethnic diversity in our leadership, if we want ethnic or our diverse policies that impact people from a diverse standpoint, we need to diversify our leadership. And that's why Donovan Bailey is running. Um, but, uh, but again, I just want to reiterate, my platform is bold. I am bold on this platform. And I know it's unique. Not everything comes through a diversity lens. I get that. And everything comes through a cultural competent lens. But again, I believe when you look, when you make major decisions on family health care, 
on the budget surplus that we have, on the insulin bill that's that's up there in St. Paul right now, on transportation, legalization of marijuana, various things that Minnesota is dealing with. When we pull it through the culturally competent lens, we then make better decisions for all of Minnesotans. And we know from our schools, diversity is growing in our state, certainly in our South Minnesota area, and this is so needed. Uh, diversity, inclusion, equity, and cultural competence, that's my campaign, and that's why I'm running. I want to get on a little bit to my experience, and I truly believe experience matters um, with regard to having a state congressman, uh, a congress representative in St. Paul. And I want you all to really consider my experience um, for this ticket. Uh, so you can be a delegate for me March 15th, a delegate for me in March 15th. One is uh, just, uh, I'm going to highlight a couple. I was elected to the Council for Minnesotans of African Heritage for a four-year term. Uh, this was uh, 2010 to 2014. Uh, that is a governor-appointed position. I was appointed to take on that, that board position. And uh, if you don't know, Minnesota has various ethnic councils that work with legislation and policy as it relates to these various, there's the Chicano Latino Council, there's, a, there's the Asian Specific Council, there's a the Native American Council, there's a the Disability Council. All of these councils work on policy as it relates to um, Minnesota. So I was fortunate to be governor elected to the Minnesota uh, 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 the Council for Minnesotans of African Heritage, which was then the Council for Black Minnesotans. And in that capacity, we were, to work on, were, were able to work on various issues, uh, policies as it relates to uh, Minnesota. I was able to actually present uh, policy to the legislature on on data collection as it relates to public defender offices and the various disparities that uh, we we deal with, and and that was a great experience um, uh, presenting a, a, a potential bill uh, to the legislature. But that was again a, a governor appointed position where I was able to work in St. Paul and down in Rochester, and to do things. We were able to start a Rochester committee of this council um, when DMC got started. We were doing a lot of work on that on the front end to really hopefully make sure that DMC and Mayo is, are doing their best to make sure that all of the, all that they are doing is going through culturally competent lenses. I also was on the TCAC committee council. That was a committee elected through the secretary of state. That whole position where we were building criteria for board members for the Minnesota higher education, the MinSQ system. And that was a great opportunity to work with professionals all over the state of Minnesota, uh, up in St. Paul to get, uh, to make sure that we had good people that were going to be on the board of higher education for Minnesota. Most recently, and I, I, I want to talk about these, I was able to do a couple of things locally, and these were born out of grassroots. One was, it was simple, uh, a couple of summers ago, I believe it was, I, I just thought to myself, as many who have lived in major cities have done. This is a major city. Why don't we have a Martin Luther King Street? Uh, and I was just thinking that, that to myself, and I've thought that for a while. Well, that thought went to, let's see if we can do something about it. I, 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 we got together a small committee of people, and we didn't want to blast it. We just wanted to work on it, work it through um, government, and see if we can get it done. Um, but we got a uh, community action committee together. 
myself, D. Sobel, uh, former councilwoman Means, um, who else was on that committee? Bud Whitehorn, um, uh, a couple other people. I'm losing names here as I go quickly on my podcast, and I, I feel bad about that. But we got this committee of five or six people together. We've met like two or three times discussing the idea of having a Martin Luther King Street. Karen Edmonds was another one. Um, uh, and um, and so we worked it through our minds, and then we came up with this idea. How about East Park? Because of what it represents, and, 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 and actually the history of East Park goes deep. We got that together. We took that idea to the city of Rochester. First, we worked it through the governor's office. Um, and they said thumbs up, uh, all the folks there. And then when we thought about the park idea, and that actually stemmed from the committee through Karen Edmonds, it was, it was a grand idea. And so we had to go to the park board with the idea. We went with the park door, park board. They said thumbs up. Um, and then we began to work the, uh, this idea through to get MLK Park here in Rochester, Minnesota. Well, that wasn't without challenge. That wasn't without controversy. But the cool thing about that was five or six individuals got together, myself included, worked together on a community action plan to get this sign for our great city. And we were able to work with the city of Rochester, the city of Rochester's Park Board, and now we, East Park is now Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Park. And that is a great privilege, that was a great uh, achievement for our community, certainly for the six or so individuals that worked on this. Uh, to get it through. And that, again, was grassroots. We got together, we got it done, and now Rochester has a uh, MLK Park. And then more recently, well, I want to say recently, for the last two years, I've had the great privilege to work with Andre Crockett and Bud Whitehorn and others, but certainly these two gentlemen, two community leaders, on some that is called Barbershop Talk South Minnesota, which is an outgrowth of this social social engineer Andre Crockett in his barbershop and social services. But all said, we got together in 2018 before the elections then and said that we need the uh, these would-be politicians and politicians to speak to minority folks, to speak to the voiceless. So we put together this online media idea. And that first couple of uh, weeks or months or so, we were doing like four or five interviews, like every Saturday. It was just crazy. But that wasn't, uh, the outgrowth of that came, we want to continue to do this. We did this through the November elections of 2018, and we continue to do that, this online show that it operates basically every other Saturday, about 20 shows a year. We're just about to complete our, um, our second season, and we've been able to talk to uh, local dignitaries, musicians, comedians, politicians, various leaders throughout South Minnesota and Minnesota and talk about issues that relate to all of Minnesota, but certainly African-Americans and the minority and voiceless community. That was an outgrowth of three guys saying we need to make a difference in our community. And we were able to create this great thing called Barbershop Talk South Minnesota. We recently had uh, Dan Feehan. We had the governor, Tim Walls, on our show. We've had the mayor. We've had the police chief. We've had a lot. And then more recently, uh, as of yesterday, we had Dr. Jason Soul of Humanize My Hoodie. Um, we've had various pe people, Dr. Brewer from Mayo Clinic. Uh, it's been a great show, a great opportunity to speak uh, to the voiceless in a very positive 
way that promotes um, uh, diversity in all that Rochester is and all that South Minnesota is. And that's been a great privilege. But that's part of my experience as well, building grassroots movements to better our community. MLK Park uh, is one. Barbershop Talk South Minnesota is another. I truly believe this type of experience can be a major plus in uh, the Minnesota House. Not only that, as I said, I've been a, a public defender dispositional advisor, a sentencing advocate. In that way, I've advocated for the least of these and minorities. And with that, I've worked with probation uh, uh, professionals, law enforcement, judges, uh, nonprofit leaders, community leaders, faith leaders on behalf of people in our community. And it's been a great opportunity for, for 12 years, not only dealing with our clients, but the community, and I've been on various committees that I've already talked about, currently on the on the third district equal justice committee, in which we seek to make sure that our courts, uh, as they deal with various matters, are equitable. And I'm able to work with Judge Karen Duncan and various folks on that committee as well. I'm a licensed social worker in Minnesota and Colorado, and in that capacity, I am required to be trained, um, trained and licensed. Uh, to keep my license up. And in that capacity, I go to various trainings and there's various outgrowth of me being a licensed social worker, licensed graduate social worker. Something I don't talk about a lot, but I'm very proud of. 15 years I've moonlighted as a direct service professional with Ram of Rochester, working with the developmentally disabled. This has been a great opportunity to learn that enclave of our community. And I have some ideas around that. And then I've been a former police officer. Um, and that was a long time ago and worked briefly as a police officer, but I've been trained, licensed, worked briefly, and that experience is over. Uh, but I was a police officer in Burnsville, Minnesota, and very proud of that limited uh, opportunity, but certainly it was an opportunity. I just want to throw, throw something out there where my experience can make a difference. And it's in the area of law enforcement. Obviously, we've had some serious issues with law enforcement in our last five to eight years. Now, we in our African-American community this extends through history, but certainly it hit the media in a very big way uh, in five or six, eight years ago with Trayvon Martin, Black Lives Matter, and we are where we are today. It's been quite, kind of quiet about that, but some of these issues still persist, obviously. Um, a couple of my ideas I would love to take to St. Paul if I were to be elected to the um, Minnesota House that is to have mandatory cultural competency training for our police officers. I actually believe that's going on now. We talked with Chief um, Jim Franklin with Rochester uh, uh, Police Department and Sheriff Torgerson. I believe that's actually going on now and is a, I believe it's a requirement for police officers, but I do know Jim Franklin is doing some semblance of that. I think that should be mandatory for every police department, uh, given the issues that we've dealt with over the last five or so years. But more so, um, one of the things that law enforcement is facing is the issue of recruitment. By and large, recruitment in law enforcement has gone down. It, it's not even an issue of the diversity. It has gone down. I have an idea of how we can diversify our uh, law enforcement. And this is not an idea that a lot of people will receive, even as I talk with um, Chief Jim Franklin, who's a great guy and we were great friends and all that. But this is an idea that I have and I would love to take to St. Paul. One of the things we need to do to deal with this issue of policing and, and, and minority communities is to make sure that our police force is diversified, that it's diverse. One of the ways we can do that, and this is my idea and hopefully something that I would push if I had the opportunity, 
we need to go from having a two-year degree, and this is what I did to become a, a law enforcement officer, uh, uh, from, okay, you got to get your two-year degree, take the post-test, and then you can be a police officer. What we need to go to, go to, or this is an idea, why don't we go to a college academy that is free? or an academy like some states do. You go to the academy, if you graduate the academy, you can become a police officer. There's no money required. You get in, you do your best, you graduate. Um, and the idea here is if we can make it a free opportunity or an academy like other states do, um, we would have more folks getting in. But if I know I have to go to college, get a two-year degree, get a student loan, and go through this whole process, that likely may deter me if I don't have the money to go to college. But if we go to an academy, a college academy, and I'll tell you why I'm saying college academy, that will give more people the opportunity. Hey, I want to be a police officer. Jump in. It's free. You graduate with all the requirements, and then you can become a police officer. Now, the thought is, uh, well, you're going to be dumbing down policing. No, I'm not saying dumbing down the requirements for policing. This academy still should have the requirements of completing a two-year equivalency degree or a two-year degree in AA. That, but it still should be an academy where it's taken away from this whole financial process so that people can get in. It's not dumbing down. It is trading what it is into a college academy, law enforcement academy, so that students can 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 do this for free and then come out and, and be a police officer. This, is, I think, is a great idea because, again, if I have to pay for a two-year degree, loans, all this kind of stuff, that is a deterrent to me becoming a police officer, particularly if I come from economically disadvantaged uh, situations. So that's an idea that I have, and I would love to take this to St. Paul. I think it's a grand idea, again, making sure that it is equivalent to our current uh, process. But to get in, and uh, one argument was, hey, well, they need a four-year degree to be a cop. Well, make it a four-year academy. I'm not sure. The goal is not to dumb it down, but to make it more of an academy like a lot of states do so that everyone has access for free. And no question, they have to pass um, uh, that, 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 uh, that process. So that's, that's an idea that, that is an outgrowth of my experience in my education and an idea that I would like to take to St. Paul so we can diversify our law enforcement and make all of our law enforcement better. So that's a little bit of my experience, but I, I did want to note that experience matters. Who you elect matters. That make sure they have the requisite experience to take up the St. Paul. Now, I will admit, I'm new to this process. I don't know anything. I, as a new um, candidate, I have all these grandiose ideas, and I would need to get up there and, and learn the process of being bipartisan and presenting bills. There's a whole process to that as I'm even learning about this whole campaign thing. So I don't want to say that um, I have all the experience as I've never been a um, uh, in politics or, or a representative. However, the body of my experience, my education, this is what I believe the type of thing at least you want to carry to uh, the Minnesota House um, and so I'm asking for delegates to jump on board for Donovan Bailey, Pete Donovan Bailey, my platform, my experience, my education, my passion uh, for Minnesota House 25B. I need delegates on March 15th to jump out there for me. Um, but certainly, regardless, get into the Democratic process. This is a big election coming in 2020. All right. Well, remember, we all do better when we all do better. That was the late Senator Wellstone statement a hallmark of the DFL, but I think it's a hallmark of a great society. 
This is why I'm running. Thank you for tuning in to Donovan Bailey, MSLGSW. Remember, March 15th, uh, delegates need to get out and let the DFL know that Donovan Bailey is the man we want to represent the DFL. General elections in November of 2020. Remember, we all do better when we all do better. This is a Anchor FM podcast. Uh, catch me on Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, my website, Donovan Bailey for Minnesota House District 25B.com. Thank you, Ben, uh, Ben Sound, for the music. Have a great day.